Praise the Lord, Pineview. Praise and Lord. everybody out there in Facebook land. <laughs> uh, glad you're here. I hope uh, tonight you'll uh, receive something from the Lord. Uh, but first, let's pray. Let's invite the Lord's presence here. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy to all of us. Draw us all closer to you, to each other. Lord God, uh, that your word would inspire our hearts and our minds, that we would love it, that it would be for, for settled in our, in our mind, that we would bring you praise and glory, and we thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Okay, uh, tonight's topic is continue in the faith. Now, there are a lot of roads that are out there we could take tonight. A lot of them lead to hell. Uh, straight and narrow is the one that leads to the Lord. Matthew 7 and 14 says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And then Luke 13 and 24 says, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, which leadeth, excuse me, I say unto you, um, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. So there are a lot of people who are seeking and they're not going to be able to enter in because they're not striving. So it's important that we recognize that there is a striving, a contending, a wrestling, a zeal that needs to take a hold of us. Violence in the spirit. Uh, years ago, like over 50, <laughs> I was in a passenger seat going down Getty's Road from Ann Arbor. And it was New Year's Eve, and I had worked at the U Hospital back then, and uh, because of working all day, I was quite tired. And so I was sitting in the passenger seat, and you know how when you're tired, random thoughts will go through your mind? Well, this random thought went through my mind as I saw two cars off in the distance going up the hill, and I knew they were there because I could see their lights because it's about 8 o'clock in the evening. And I thought to themselves, or I thought to myself, what if one of those cars were to turn their lights out? And of course, the automatic reflex to a question is to answer it. And so I said to myself why they would kill themselves. And the next thought that came into my mind is that there are a lot of people in this world driving down Getty's Road with their lights out. I sat up in the chair thinking, what is going on in my mind? And no sooner did I sit up in the chair that the word of the Lord came unto me, Psalms 105, or excuse me, 119 verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I realized that the Lord was talking to me for one of the very first times, and he was telling me that the road of life is like Getty's Road. Now back then, Getty's Road was just a two-lane road, 
narrow, trees at the brink of the road, ditches at the brink of the road. There was, a, there was an old bridge back then that was very narrow. And it was dangerous at night if you didn't have your lights on. And that's the road of life that we are on right now. We've got to turn our lights on. And we're talking about continuing in the faith. Now, the pastor has been talking about first principles. He talked about uh, repentance, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms. And he referred to this verse of scripture in Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 12, to chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. This is just an excerpt of that. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as of need of milk and not of strong meat. Skipping to the first, 14th verse. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. Skipping to six and one. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. There are seven things there. Now, a lot of people look at chapter 6, verse 1, where it says, uh, therefore leaving the principles and not laying again the foundation and think that that's referring to the teacher. That the teacher shouldn't be teaching this over and over again. But that's really not what it's saying. That is really talking to the students who did not receive what they were taught. And they are the ones that need it taught to them again. That's why earlier it says, when ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Now everyone on the planet needs this stuff. It's the milk of God's word. It's the foundation, it's the first principles, it's the elementary teaching. So we need to learn this more than anything else. If we can't count, we're not gonna be able to do calculus. So, what are the reasons why people don't learn this? Well, there are probably several reasons, but Hebrews identifies one of them and says, when you ought to be teachers, if we will teach what we have learned, we'll get a hold of it. By reason of use, have their senses exercised. Are you exercising the word of God? Are you teaching what you have been taught? How, how much are you yielding yourself to doing that? People will contend with you over these issues. 
there are a lot of different churches out there and they teach a lot of different things. And surprisingly enough, the foundation, the first principles, are the things that they disagree on. Amazing as that is, that's the facts. It's the simple stuff, the elementary teachings, the, the, the milk of God's word that churches disagree on. It's not the meat, it's the milk. And you need to exercise yourself in that milk. And there's going to be opposition in that area because of those other churches thinking, well, hey, we're right. And you're going to have to contend with that. You're dealing with not only people, you're dealing with spirits. Colossians 1, 21 to 23 says, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith. Grounded and settled and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And then 1 Timothy 4 and 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. The devil's not dead, he wants to hinder God's word any way he can. So take heed. Be careful what you do and what you teach and continue in the faith. Satan wants to hinder the truth and what better way than the foundation. In Psalms 11 and 3 it says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Can anyone tell me what the foundations are? I said them real quick a little bit ago. Uh, let me go over them. Repentance from dead works, or in other words, works that produce death, sin. Faith toward God. Water baptism. The scripture says the doctrine of baptisms with an S. Spirit baptism. Laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. These are the basics. And there's people that would add things like uh, standards. Standards aren't there. That's not foundational. And many other things they want to say are foundational, but that, this is it. There are seven of them. It's complete. Seven is a, is a number of completion. There are churches outside these walls that will baptize you any way you want to be baptized. They'll sprinkle you. They'll do anything. They'll say you don't even need baptism. 
But Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This was told to the first group of people in the New Testament that recognized that they had sin in their life, that, that blood was on their hands. And they asked the first Holy Spirit-filled preacher, Peter, because he had just received the Holy Ghost. What do we do? And Peter preached to them and said, this was the first thing he ever said. This was the first time this had ever been uttered. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Now I say this is the first time in the New Testament because the scripture says, for where a testament is, there must have also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. You will find inheritance, testament, testator, heir in the scriptures. And there are so many people that don't recognize that this is God's will and testament. And Jesus said, it's expedient that I go away. I gotta die, I gotta leave, so that you can have the Holy Ghost, so that you can have my spirit, so that what I have in my house, my children now can possess in their house. So here we find Peter for the first time preaching the first message to a people that asked that question, what do we do for the first time? And this is his response. Repent and be baptized every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. Is, is a name important? If you look in the Old Testament, you see it's holy. It's to be praised. It's not to be taken in vain. The scribes would wash before and after they wrote it down. And that's, the Old Testament is our example. And Jesus has been given a name that's higher than any other name. In Acts 10 and 43, it says, To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. John 20 and 31, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life. And it doesn't stop there. It could have, but it didn't. Some people think it did. But it didn't. It goes on to say, through his name. We need the name of Jesus Christ applied to us in baptism. So it's repentance, believing faith, baptism in water, and his name that's going to bring about remission of sins. That's not me. That's the word of God. And we're exercising we're grabbing a hold of these things and we're exercising. 
We're talking about first principles of the oracles of God. We're talking about the milk of God's word. We're talking about foundation of the doctrine of Christ. Continuing in the faith. 2 Timothy 3 and 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We need to hold on. We need to stick to. We need to keep on being faithful to the things that we have been taught. Guard the truth that we have received. So how do we guard the truth besides teaching others and exercising the first principles? How do we continue? 2 Timothy 2 and 10. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. A workman, not ashamed, rightly dividing, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, that you may be perfect. This is dependent on whether we will familiarize ourselves with his word or not. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. For the time will come, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Paul said there's a time that's coming. We are in a spiritual war. We are not fighting with flesh and blood, we are fighting with spirits. Satan, the liar, has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He desires that you will not endure sound doctrine. He wants you to turn from the truth and unto fables. He will whisper in your ear. He will whisper in others' ears in an attempt to get you to turn. One of the weapons that we have in our arsenal is a sword. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Satan came to Jesus and said, if you be the son of God. And boy, haven't all of us heard that? If you're, you're really not a child of God. And how did Jesus deal with Satan's attack on him? He said, it is written. The word of God was his weapon. He is our example, he is our light. Let's follow him. Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So there's a wrestling, there's a striving, there's a contending, there's a warring, and we need to fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6 and 12. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. High places in scripture were places where, where people worshiped false gods. They strayed from the truth. They sought to satisfy their way of thinking and not God's. What do you let feed you? News broadcasters, professors, scientists, or the Word of God? Maybe it's the majority, but wide is the gate, and many there go. Narrow is the way, and few there be that find it. So take heed, we're wrestling with. We need all the armor, and don't forget, especially the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The devil wants to hinder, steal, and destroy what you have. Ephesians goes on and says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit girt yourself with truth preparation of the gospel of peace you need to prepare how you're going to Answer someone with the gospel of peace. 1 Timothy 2 and 10, study to show thyself approved. But that's not the only way that the word of God is put into our hearts. There's something more that we need. And Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. This is also needed for the word of God to influence our heart and mind. We need each other. The pastor talked about the gifts given to the church, the body of Christ. In this body, for it to function optimally, I need all of its members working. Right now, I, I hobble a little bit because I broke my femur riding a bike. Needs to heal. And this is true with the, with the body of Christ. And there are people that are out there that might possibly could be here and you should be. Because 
we're missing out on your gifts. We're missing out on your smile. We're missing out on your prayer because you don't see the people that I see. And you're missing out because you don't see them. They're not influencing you. The only person that's influencing you is, is me. It's just too bad. <laughs> we need each other. We need the body of Christ. Amen. So it's the church that we're talking about. It's not just a preacher or a teacher. Assembling ourselves together and so much the more as we see the day approaching, that we provoke one another to love and good works. Incidentally, God is coming after his church. He's not coming after an individual, so you need to stay connected to the church. Now, there are exceptions to this rule. Don't get me wrong, but understand, God wants you to assemble yourself as much as possible Uh, Monday, uh, at prayer, Neil Hensley came in, and I was just blessed by seeing him in his presence, seeing him smile at me, shaking his hand. We didn't share scripture, but that love, that bond was there, and it strengthened me, just that alone by itself. But there are people here that's got a word. There are people here that's got a prayer. So if you could be here, you need to make it happen. You need to be a part of the church. Verse 14 goes on. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the word of God, which, uh, which is the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So finally, prayer is needed. When is prayer needed? Always. What do we need to pray about? Or what don't we need to pray about? And Proverbs 3 and 6, it says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. Matthew 6 and 4 says, And when thou prayest, and Matthew 6 and 16, Moreover, when ye fast, it's not if, it's when. God expects us to pray and fast. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Anyone can pray. You can pray as much as you want to. Chapters that remain unwritten that you could write. Exploits undone that you could exhibit. You see, the book of Acts doesn't have an amen at the end. And there are godly acts that you could perform for the benefit of the church. So, if you don't have a prayer life, get a hold of one. So call, 
he will answer and show you great and mighty things. Romans 12 and 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, instant in prayer. Pray and watch. Israel failed to know the times of visitation. And why? Because they had failed to call upon the name of the Lord. Jeremiah 10 and 25 says, Pour out thy fury upon the heathen that know thee not, and upon the families that call not upon the name of the Lord. Psalms 14 and 4. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat up bread and call not upon the Lord? That is why Israel missed it. So if you don't have a prayer life, start working at it. Fight for it. It's the most important thing you can do. And to it, add thanksgiving. Remembering all the things that God has done. Counting your blessings. In the back of my Bible, I have, uh, one of my old Bibles actually, I have dates and things that God has given me an experience with him on. Uh, in 1970, I saw a light come into my apartment while I was praying. A uh, couple of months after that, uh, cigarettes were just taken out of my mind. And I had been carrying them around in my pocket for a week and realized when I stepped out on the university floor of the hospital that I hadn't had a cigarette for over a week and I remembered a prayer that I prayed. Seventy-one, the Gettys Road experience. Seventy-two, a revelation of the oneness of God. And I have pages of visitations revelations and words from the Almighty. And I would go back and I would look at them when I was struggling or when I was downcast, and that would encourage me. And I recognized that my sin, though it was abounding to the point where I couldn't see it being forgiven, I found in the scriptures but where sin abounded, Grace did. Romans 5 and 20 goes on to say, but where sin abounded, grace did much. Romans 5 and 20 says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I saw things like that in the multitude of tender mercies that is renewed every morning for me. God's loving kindness what he did on Calvary for us all. I remind myself of those things and those experiences that God has given me, and it builds up faith. It encourages. And in the Old Testament, they had memorials that they would go to. 
And we need to have memorials in our heart. We need to remember those things that God has done to us. And so when we pray, we need to pray with thanksgiving, remembering and grabbing a hold of those things that God has already done in our lives. And that will produce faith. In Matthew 6 and 12 it says, And forgive us our debts, and we forgive our debtors. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye, ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If we expect God to forgive us, we got to forgive other people. If we do not give grace to others, will we get God's grace? Peter, addressing wives and husbands, said this, Likewise, ye husbands, this is 1 Peter 3 and 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. If we are quarrelsome with our wives, our prayers are hindered. If we are contentious with our brothers, our prayers are hindered. Matthew 5 and 24. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. In Psalms 18, 25, and 26, it says, With the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. With the upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself forward. When we manifest God's character, giving forgiveness, giving grace, giving love, we can expect to reap what we have sown. This is real biblical holiness, God-likeness. We're talking about continuing in the faith by wholesome prayer. Hebrews 13 and one, let brotherly love continue Romans 11 and 22. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou shalt also shall be cut off. In Proverbs 17 and 9, it says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth the matter separateth very friends. When you don't publish a man's falling, transgression, sin, when you don't tell other people about it, you're covering a matter. You're seeking love. But when you tell everybody, when you repeat it to them, you're dividing. David in several places said, and one of them is Psalms 105 and 15, says, touch not mine anointed and do my prophet no harm. 
And he was talking about King Saul, who was trying to kill him, who had went to a witch, who disregarded the word of God. But God had anointed him king. And David said, don't harm him. You here are surrounded by God's anointed. Every one of you that has received the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name is God's anointed. It's not just preachers. And I, there are a lot of people that badmouth apostolic preachers and they're in trouble all, all themselves by overdoing that. But this is the church. This is really, everybody here is anointed. And we need to be careful what we talk about, about each other. Love one another is the bottom line. In Jude 9, it says, Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, if godly angels watch what they say about other angels, shouldn't we all the more? We are the body of Christ. This is what he inhabits now. And this hand would not pick up a needle and stab this hand. You'd think I was spastic if I did that. In the church, we need to love one another. We need to give each other grace. And remember that when, when you're taking communion. The scripture talks about uh, discerning the Lord's body. Well, this is his body. And if you're warring with a brother, you need to get that right. Clean it out. Mend it. I'm talking about continuing in his goodness with forgiveness, grace, and love to continue in the faith. Acts 2 and 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. This is to be our way of life, not just on Sundays. Remember Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. When was the last time you went out with somebody in the church or had them over for dinner? Did you know that they are one of the lights in the world? I don't know about you, but I need more light. So let's put in practice striving 
to teach the foundation and exercising therein, taking heed to what we have been taught, assembling ourselves together, hanging around one another, searching the scripture, calling on the Lord and seeking his face, endeavoring to manifest his character, loving one another. For Jesus sowed into this world and he will reap the same. God bless you all. That's it. Amen.